0: Amato's fifth quarter is partnered with The Inner Sanctum. The Inner Sanctum, founded in 2020, is the new ball game and sports journalism which aims to take you behind the closed doors of sporting clubs around the country in an effort to tell the stories of those on the field. Visit The Inner Sanctum at www.theinnersanctum.com.au as well as following them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The Inner Sanctum, unique interviews. Unique content for you.
1: Hi, this is Dustin Fletcher. This, this is the Mean Machine, Al Green. This is Travis Todd. This is Greg Boddy. This is-
0: this is Brett Ma. This is Dale Pickett. This is Eugene
1: Bruckner. This is Kevin Brooks. This is Jack
0: Fitzpatrick. This is Dale McDonald. And you're listening to Amato's fifth quarter.
2: ghosts, a grand finals pass, bottom in November, premiers in April, champions in May. The fairy tale is now complete, and after once being the worst franchise for trade sport history, the Sydney Kings, with unprecedented three feet, have become Australian sporting royalty. First in the huge from which co- He hits it. He's got us. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from a captain to a legend and probably rugby league immortality. to the home,
3: they've gone back-to-back, back. you cannot believe what you're saying in a big basketball game. Williams
2: is there, he makes
3: the catch,
2: What a windy road home it's been, but for the first time in 10 years, the Claxton Shield is back in Brisbane. Presenting to you, Liam and the Melbourne Ice, the good old Cup!
0: Hi folks and welcome to episode number 11 of Amato's fifth quarter. I'm your host Dan and I'm excited. I'm up and about. I absolutely love doing this podcast. It it gives me a massive thrill to be able to sit with high profile sports people and go into their careers, the good times, the bad, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. And to even have the thought of them knowing who I am because these are guys I either watch live or have listened to on the radio or have watched documentaries about, watched highlights and... As I said, just to be able to sit with them and, and just have a chat with them is awesome. It's a massive buzz and it really does mean a lot to me when people say, hey, I listened to this episode and I really enjoyed it. That that just means the world to me. So I really, really hope you guys enjoy what I have to offer and hopefully you'll stick around and continue listening to Amato's fifth quarter. But for tonight, we've got another big guest coming on. It's a basketball guest, a man who is an absolute legend of the NBL. Tonight, my special guest is Daryl McDonald, who of course played in the NBL, he played for the North Melbourne Giants, the Victoria Titans, and the Melbourne Tigers as well. Now, it was absolutely awesome to get into contact with Mac and have a chat about his career. He's got a great story, originally born in America, um, he's from Harlan, Manhattan, and he learned to play basketball in the tough New York playground courts, such as the famous Rucker Park. So he knows his stuff about basketball, he was a very, very good player here in the NBL, He actually came second in the MVP one year, almost won uh, the Most Valuable Player Award, um, which is obviously the highest individual award you can win in the NBL. And from 1994 to 2008, he played 486 games in the league, uh, assembling 6,308 points, 2,207 rebounds, 3,518 assists, if you don't mind. He is a three-time NBL champion. 1994 with the the North Melbourne Giants, that famous team there under Brett Brown, and then uh, 2006 with the Melbourne Tigers and 2008 with the Melbourne Tigers. So he had two championships there, 12 years apart. And that's one question I asked him: uh, How does he feel about you know winning the championships, being you know a little bit younger and then a little bit older, 12 years in between championships? That's a, a long, long time. Uh, he's a three-time All-NBL first-teamer in 1994, 1995, and 1996. He's a two-time NBL All-Star representative in 1996 and 2006. And he was also the NBL best six-man in 2004. And one thing about Mac that is something that no matter what sport you play, no matter what league you want or you would love to happen, and that is he won a championship in his last ever game. So it's very rare. I mean, Darrell McDonald and Shane Crawford, Alex Brosk from Sydney FC in the A-League, only the last... that well, Sorry, the only I can think of off the top of my head that got to do that, win a championship in their final game. It's very rare, and he did it. He won a championship in his first season in the league and his last season in the league. So he's a legend of the NBL, legend of Australian basketball from the North Melbourne Giants, the Victoria Titans, and the Melbourne Tigers... It is Darryl McDonald, that's coming to the ground.
2: McDonald, he wants to draw the ball, goes for shot, oh. makes it, makes it a shot, and the game is over. McDonald has won the game to North Melbourne on the buzzer in the first period of overtime.
0: Welcome back to Amato's fifth quarter, and today I've got a very special guest on. It's Daryl McDonald from the North Melbourne Giants, Victoria Titans, and Melbourne Tigers. Mac, thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. So Mac, what have you been up to since you last played professional basketball in 2008, and and how have you settled into the job as Melbourne United assistant coach? You seem to come in and out of that position. Can you give the listeners a bit of an insight into the last sort of 12, 13 years of, of your life since... Since your last game for the Tigers?
4: Well, yeah, no. So straight out of once I finished, once I retired, I kind of got straight into the coaching side. So I was, um, uh, I was one of the for the Melbourne Tigers. I became one of the assistant coaches. I was the third assistant without Westover after that. After that retirement year, and then the year after that, there was no like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't brought back for a year. So I actually started working. I had to get a job. I was working at ANZ as a um, as a credit card collector. Uh, when I was one, of the, I was actually one of the guys that I used to hate. <laughs> <laughs> they always call you call you looking for their money. Things. I was one of them. And then, uh, but at the same time, I was actually working them. Um, I was doing. I was also doing a AUDD program with Citadel Three and Son. So I used to go to do that in the mornings, and then go to work from there. I was also doing Wesley Wesley College at the same time, so I was coaching there. So I mean, the thing is, all I all I've been doing for the last since then has just been coaching off and on at you know different different places. But then, you know, that after that year out and with the Tigers, so uh, Ian Stacker was one of the assistant coaches, and he left to go to the AIS, and Al Al Whistle called me. You know, I said, "Listen, I, I want to get get you back on the coaching staff." And it was it was it was funny, it was just funny how things were, Because right at that at that time, it was I had just left, I had just left A and You know what I mean? And then he called me. It would have been not even not even a week or two weeks later, and got me back on the coaching staff. So I, I was back with the Tigers for the second time as an assistant. But um. Again, uh, well, what happened on the, during that year? We didn't, we, we we struggled that year. We didn't make the, you know, we were in a position where we we was we wasn't doing too well, and Al Al was let go, and then I, I became I actually became the head coach for ten games, and yeah, I don't I actually don't remember how I, I think we I think we finished, I think well for myself I think I finished like five and five over those ten games. It was either four and ten or five and five over the ten games. And then um, I wasn't brought back again. So they, uh, the they, owner at the time was Shamerson Peak. He brought in uh, Trevor Gleason at the time, and I think Trevor Trevor had left Townsville, so he brought him in at the time. And then I actually tried to get on his coaching staff, but they wasn't. He wasn't trying to. He wasn't bringing in nobody else. So it was just back to back to AUBD. So I was doing that. Probably more, I wouldn't say full time, but we, we they put together an academy to send kids to school. So we, you know, we had our morning program and then we would do that right after that. So, you know, we kids had to go to they had to take classes and then we train them and, and things like that. So I did that for a little while and then again back there still doing Wesley at the same time and out of the, out of the blue, like, you know, it's funny. I was coming from Wesley, coming from training one day and Chris calls me and he goes, you know, just to keep it, keep it between us, but I'm about to, I'm about to get the, the head coaching job with the Tigers and I want you to be my assistant. I was like, you know, I, I just was, I was almost, I was a bit shocked. Well, I mean, not shocked. I was more quiet because I was like, I didn't actually didn't know what to say. And I was like, worry. You're like, yeah, I said, cool. And then, you know, I think I was about a maybe week or two after that, we put everything to put everything in place and I was assisting Chris and, you know, did that for, did that for, for two years. And then, you know, the same thing with Al, same thing happened. We, but this one we lost, this was when, so the first year, so the first year with the United, we, um, well, we lost our first game, you know, and then that was right after that game. It was, it was just, again, uh, just crazy how, how, how it happens so after that game. It would have been I got a call like late that night from uh, Vince. You know, Vince comes in and, and, you know, you know, can you meet me in the morning? And I was like, yeah, cool. And so I met him and he told me what you know, told me what you know, what happened with with, with Chris and asked me if, if I wanted to do the job and or can I do the job. And it was one of those situations where I was like uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'll do it, but he also, I knew, I knew he was talking to other coaches, like, at the same time, you know, Gorgian was one, I think Lamanis was one, uh, he tried, he's also, he's talking to D'Antoni, apparently, so it was me, you know, either I, if I do it, I, you know, I do it until one of those guys come in, but nobody, nobody never came in, so I kept the job for that year. And we started to see, we, we lost our first two and then we you know we had a couple of games and we, you know, we began to play well. We end up, we started playing really well at, at one time. And then as, as the year went on, we just had, you know, we just had, you know, game, we lost a game to Adelaide that we really needed. And it was the, that was the year they went on a, um, they had like 10, 12 game win streak. You know, I think if we beat them that game, then they don't make the playoffs. They end up going all the way through and making the playoffs after they, after they beat us. And what killed us was I, we needed a game. Like, I needed to win some games, you know, and we needed to win some games to stay in the playoff hunt. And we had, you know, we had a, we had a New Zealand, you know, we had a New Zealand-Perth trip. So we went to New Zealand and lost, but we really needed to beat Perth. And we went over there and we played really well and, and ended up beating Perth that year. But then came home and, and stunk it up, you know, stunk it up against Townsend. And Townsend was, I think, Townsend was in the last place at that time. We came home and lost to them, and then from there it just went downhill. You know, just we did. You know, I don't think we won another game. Oh, we finished the season. We finished like the season winning in our last two, and they was both against Sydney. And then again, I you know I get the call from Vince, and you know I was I wasn't brought back. And out of, the, out of the, so right after that happened, you know, like, again, it's in the newspaper, so people know. And my man, a friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, Matt Shanahan, called me and wanted me to come to Knox. So I ended up, you know, he, I would, you know, became the boys' coordinator and he wanted to coach our senior, the senior, men, the senior men's team in the Big V. And that was a year. So the year before, they actually wasn't in the league. And so I was like, yeah, you know, i do it and I did that. And that's what I've been, well, that's what I've been doing for pretty much the last four years. So I've been at Knox. I've done Wesley, I've done at Wesley College. I've been at Knox for the last, what, four years. And, you know, I did, well, I did Wesley. I did uh, Temple Stove for a little while. I took over, or I didn't take over. Um, Ian Stacker gave me, you know, Ian Stacker gave me a call he, when he became the assistant coach with him. Um, with the phoenix and he you know he put me he asked me if i wanted to you know come in and do it i said yeah you know i did so i was doing both i was doing both schools so i was doing temple still college and Wesley college at the same time you know what i mean and then during all all through these years like i put in for jobs i tried to talk to i talked to, you know i sent you know talk to uh, other coaches not necessarily coaches but you know when jobs came out, I threw my name in the hat. Didn't really get no calls back, or, and things like that. And then, out of the blue, again I get a text. You know, I mean, I get a text. From, I get a text from Dean Vickerman. I'm at. I'm actually at training. So I was at tryouts with the United. Uh, with I was at the tryouts with at our tryouts with Knox, the Knox Raiders. And I get a text that Sunday from Dean Vickerman saying, you know, can you come down tomorrow? This was in December. Can you come down tomorrow, you know, watch training and let's have a chat about, you know, getting you on the coaching staff? And I looked at it and I swear I there somebody was playing a prank on me. You know what I mean? And that was it. I ended up, you know, I went down that Monday and then, you know, I became, in, um, you know, bore me in on, as one of the assistant coaches. Oh, third, I would take the third assistant coaches behind uh, Justin Shuler and... We and it's been it's been good, it's been really good.
0: So you've built up a lot of coaching experience. You're almost you've almost been a coach of the NBL longer than you were playing in the NBL. Is it your goal one day to to possibly be a, a head coach in the NBL? Is that something you want to do eventually?
4: You know what? It, it was something that I wanted to do, and right now, mind you, I haven't coached in the NBL that much. It just it just seems like that <laughs> I've done a lot of coaching, but not but not in the NBL. But that was something that I, it was something that I always wanted to do. And then I had, you know, I had two opportunities and it, it didn't work out like I had hoped, you know what I mean? And then I actually got to a point where, you know what, if it, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But right now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, honestly, not really thinking about trying to be a head coach. I'm still. I love I love what I'm doing now with, with 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 Dean with Dean and those guys and you know I stay I'll, I like I like the assistant role that I, that that I have you know I'm, I'm really enjoying it and but you never say never you know what I mean but right now it's not it's not something that I'm that I'm actually thinking about I like like I like I like I like the, I like the position I'm in now and really in, really enjoying it you know just and again just enjoying being back in the league like I've always. I've always kept up in the league. I watch, I still, you know, I always watched all the games every year and stay, stay in tune with what's going on with the league. So, but yeah, like being a head coach in MBO right now, it's probably, it's definitely, it's not something that I'm looking forward. It's not something that I'm looking to do. Like, I just want to try to, you know, I want to keep, continue to keep learning and, and then yeah, just 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 doing that. And you know, if that opportunity comes in some years, you know, I may have a look at it. But just being an assistant right now is, is something that I'm that I'm actually enjoying.
0: Nice and and Melbourne United certainly looking good at the moment. One of the best lineups we've seen in recent years with Golding and Barlow and Scotty Hopson, Jock Landau. Um, I'm sure a championship is your aim this season with United.
4: Absolutely, like I love that I love the group. Like we have a really really good and I came in. I came in, you know, I came in late with the group, but they, you know, they welcomed me with open arms, and there's a the, like we got. It's just, you know, you got we got a group that's, you know, you, we, they're really like we're really good, and I think that you know the one thing for us if we can stay healthy, I, I I think we can do some, you know, I think we can, I I think I believe we can win it, but I think a lot of a lot of a lot of things come into play in that, you know, and health is health is one of them. You know what I mean? I think you know. I think Dino's put together a roster that that you know that complements each other. You know what I mean? Like we got we got pretty much every position covered. Guys, you know, guys role, guys understanding roles and what you know what's what's asked of them, what's needed of them, and long as we can long as we can do that and we stay together, uh, I think we got an opportunity to do something.
0: Absolutely. Dmac, I want to just take you back to the early days. So, you were born in New York City and grew up in Harlem, Manhattan. From, yeah. what, from what I've heard and, and seen, it certainly at that time seemed like quite a tough place to grow up and possibly, you know, not the safest sort of place in the world. Um, if you're comfortable to talk about it, could you maybe give the listeners a bit of an insight into what life was like growing up for you in, in Harlem?
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. No, I mean, it's still like that. Like It hasn't changed. You know, I mean, it's it's still the same, and like for me, I guess for me, like basketball was was a was a was a like an outlet for me. You know what I mean? Like I used I used basketball to, you know to get out the neighborhood and you know stay away from the neighborhood. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 stuff like you come out. You know, I lived in a I lived in what we we used to call them tenement, like a tenement building. So it was six floors. I lived on the third floor. And, you know, you come out and when you come out, the, you come out the building, you know, you got drugs and you know, people selling drugs and, and things like that. But that's it's not only how that, that was pretty much everywhere. You know what I mean? Was, that, was a, that was a lot of places. But like I said, for me, basketball was was probably, you know, an outlet for me. You know what I mean? It was, it was something I did all the time. Like I played other sports, but basketball was something that I did pretty much all the time. You know what I mean, and you, you, you just keep yourself try to keep yourself out of harm's way. That that's that's how it was. You know what I mean, and I just like I said, you know, go to school, come home, go to the go to the, like, do my homework, go to the park, come home. You know, and then pretty much doing the same thing every day.
0: So, from what I understand, you learned to play basketball in the tough New York playground court, Rucker Park. And you battled against NBA stars Mario Ellie, and Rod Strickland.
4: Yeah, I mean, we we, we you know we all had we, we you have those battles, and Rucker Park is you know renowned for for that. Like you know you you, you play there, you gotta you can that they say you you're playing Rucker Park, you can play anywhere. You know what I mean? And I grew up there. I lived... I was only I only lived, I lived ten blocks from there. Yeah, just just again hooping like you know you playing um Playing every day, and the, the more the more you play, you know you just got better. And the opportunity came for me to play in. I, you know, I played I played with Mario, I played against Rod, but there was a you know there's a lot of you know a lot of guys that I played against. You know, a lot of guys I played against, a lot of guys I played with. You know, a lot of street, you know, a lot of these well-known streetball guys that are from New York that are you know that I played with and against. And you know, it kind of it kind of shaped me like. You know what I mean? Because it was one of those situations where, if you again, if you if you're good enough, then you can play. If you're not, people will figure out pretty pretty quickly. They probably only let you play there.
0: So when was it when you you realized that you were good enough to potentially play basketball professionally?
4: Well, okay, so I'll I'll just take you back a little bit. My brother my brother played professionally. And play play college ball and play professional. I used to hang. I used to go with him everywhere. So he used to take me to all his games. And I used to watch him watch him play and and stuff like that. And then again, I like I said, I keep. I know I keep saying it, but I, you know, I played all the time. And then what happened was so this was even before Rucker. So this was before Rucker Park even started. Okay, Rucker Park. Okay, I won't say that Rucker Park is always. It was always there, but it wasn't as po- It was popular. But a little, uh, you know, a little bit different. Then, you know, it kind of went away, and then became popular again. So, for myself, like I, I, I wasn't, I, I dropped out of school. So I dropped out of high school in a, in the ninth grade. Okay, a lot of people don't know that. So I dropped out, and again, playing, you know, playing all the time. But as the, you know, as the years, as the years go, I got an opportunity to get to get back in school. So I, you know, I went to school to get my GED. So a GED is a generally a general equivalency diploma, you know what I mean? So I ended up passing that and playing, it was playing in a tournament, it was, a, it was called Chicks, so it was called Chicks Tournament and it was right down the street from where I lived at. So I used to live on 146th and 7th Avenue. This tournament was on 145th and Lennox, which was like one street over, one street down. So that's where I pretty much got my name and that's when I realized, you know, I can, I can play on, I can, I can play on, a, first of all, the college level, you know what I mean? Because, i played in that tournament and a guy seen me playing so this is how I, this is how i got back in school so a guy seen me playing in it, in playing in that and i was probably it was, i was i was bowling like i was cooking i was playing really well and the thing is it was actually against guys that were already in college you know what i mean so i'm playing against these guys in college and i'm holding my own and this guy sees it and asks me if i want to go back to school so i was like yeah sure i had just got my diploma so i went back so i went to junior college westchester community college for two years and then from there i went to texas a&m so out of texas a&m you know my last year texas a&m i you know end up getting an agent and again you don't get an a if a guy don't if they don't think you can play professionally a guy's not gonna sign you like an agent won't sign you so you know you know a couple of people reached out and the guy was from new york he reached out to me and It's funny, though, because the guy that, yeah, okay, the guy that sent me to college is the same guy that that helped me find an agent also, you know what I mean? So I ended up, you know, I ended up getting an agent, and he got me an opportunity to try out with the uh, New Jersey Nets. I didn't make it, you know, I I wasn't good enough, but I just kept playing, you know, kept playing and ended up playing in the CBA, which is the G League now, and uh, played in that for some, for some for some years and then, you know, Brett Brown saw me and then the rest is history. I ended up over here and never went back.
0: What's good, everybody? Yeah, that was a bit weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, I hope you're enjoying this chat with Daryl McDonald. Uh, it was great to sit down with him and have a chat. But if you missed last week's episode, I sat down and had a chat with former Melbourne and Hawthorne cult figure, cult hero, whatever you want to call it. Jack Fitzpatrick. Now, that chat I really enjoyed because we go into his career, we talk about some of the setbacks he's had in his life in terms of his chronic fatigue syndrome and also being diagnosed uh, with type 1 diabetes and some of the stories at Melbourne and and some of the issues with, um, with certain coaches in that dark period of sort of 2011 to 2015, when Melbourne um, you know, really was sort of a shambles on the field. He goes into that and talks about his Hawthorne career and, of course, kicking that famous goal to get Hawthorne into the top four. But if you haven't listened to it and you're not sure whether you want to or not, well, you definitely should, but here's a little snippet of it to get you in the mood.
1: It wasn't too similar to the year before in that you know there was a man management issues and probably players a bit unhappy, but coming into his first year you have that optimism and and, a new coach so everyone's sort of up and about excited and curious as to where it will go whereas coming into the next year you had those man management issues you had players already a bit unhappy from the year before so you lost that enthusiasm the excitement of the new coach and all you had were poor results and you know look the players are completely blameless. I mean, the reality is the players are the ones who play. So to lose by those margins is pretty bad. But I think the, the results are a, a the results are a result of the environment that, that they're in. And, and players just were unhappy in life, I think, due to what was going on. And when you're unhappy, you're not going to perform at your best. It doesn't matter what your job is, whether you're an elite athlete, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a, a tradie, it doesn't matter. If you're unhappy, you're not going to perform at your absolute best. So, yeah, look, it wasn't a great time.
0: Fitzy is an absolute legend on and off the field and it was great to talk to him. So definitely, definitely check out that full episode if you go back into the archives. But for now, let's get back to three-time NBL champion, Daryl McDonald. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you you mentioned uh, your time at college and prior to coming to the NBL in 1994, did you know anything about the competition at all or even did you know anything about Australia at all at the time?
4: I knew about I knew about both, okay? and I only I knew about them. Well, first of all, my brother my brother was in the Navy. He's been here before, and he used to <laughs> it's funny though cause he, he used to tell me he used to tell me about it, and then he he also told me he said, "Yo, man, when you get there, he said the kangaroos, man, they walk around like dogs, <laughs> like like in America, you know, and people walk their dogs." He was telling me like like people like walking kangaroos or, or you'll see them on the street. <laughs> and so when I get here, the first thing I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm driving down Burke Street or Burke Road, and I'm looking for kangaroos. <laughs> like, yeah, not a fun one. And I call, you know what I mean? No, of course not. <laughs> and so I called him. I said, "Dude, come on." Man. I said, "What was he like?" He said, no, nah, for real, man." I said, "No, it's not. It's not like that." You know what I mean? But then I, and I eventually seen when I went to the zoo to see one. But then um. I knew Ricky Grace. So I, I played against Ricky Grace in college. All right. So I, you know, I played I played against him in the old junior college All-Star game and then he went to uh, he went to the University of Oklahoma. I went to Texas and then and I did, I I, did, I was supposed to play against him but he was out with an ankle injury so I didn't play. I didn't play him. I knew he was down here. Right? And I knew I knew I talked to a couple of guys in, that was playing that I was playing with in the CBA or playing against and they always said that Australia took point guards. You know what I mean? So I knew I knew a little bit about it just just through that. And then I got that call from Brett, you know, to come down. And I, it was it wasn't even like it wasn't even a thought when he asked me if I wanted to come. Yeah, I was I was on it. I was like, yep. I didn't care how much money it was. I just wanted to I just wanted to come over here well kind of get out of the CBA and come over here and play. And, and that was yeah, that was it. And I, again, I've been here what twenty, almost
0: going on twenty seven years now. And you come at literally the perfect time because '94 championship year for the Giants. You had a great team under Brett Brown with yourself, Daryl Pierce, Larry Sengstock, Paul Rees, Matt Shanahan, Mark Leader, these sort of guys. You finish second on the ladder in '94, same amount of wins as the Tigers, but behind on percentage. Beat the Magic in two games also to proceed through to the grand final against the 36ers can you talk to me about that iconic winning shot in game one against adelaide
2: scores a level it was a two-point shot so again north melbourne will have the last play in this first period of overtime mcdonald can win the game for north melbourne so it's come down to the last shot again. He's got to oh. go. He's got to go, McDonalds. He wants to draw the bow. Oh. Goes the shot. Oh. Makes it. Makes what? it a shot, and the game McDonald's. is over. McDonald has won the game for North Melbourne on the buzzer in the first period of overtime.
4: So we beat we beat Sydney twice, and and then the magic. Uh, yeah. Then we beat then we beat uh, Southeast Melbourne, and then yeah. Then it was. Adelaide in the grand final, and it was, it was funny, you know, because we, everybody, no, I'm, okay, I'm not going to say people wasn't giving us a chance, but the way we play, so we play zone all year, and they're like, oh, no, they can't win the championship playing zone, and we, you know, we end up, we end up winning the championship playing zone, but, you know, it was actually a really, it was a, you know, it was a really good zone, and, but after we lost, we lost that first, that first game to Sydney by 30. And they killed us. And then Brett it's funny, I, I I I seen it later in like a video. I seen the, the the look on Brett's face. And he he was almost like, you know, like, what's going on here? Like he can't believe we got beat that bad. You know what I mean? After the after playing the way we did, but then game two, we ended up blowing them out by like twenty, and then we beat this is Sydney I'm talking about, we ended up beating them in game three by like ten. And then we went, you know, we went on the sweep went on to sweep the magic and, and then, yeah, Adelaide, you know, game one, it, you know, close game. And like, I tried to, I tried to, I actually tried to win it in the first, I tried to win it in the first before the overtime and just couldn't, you know, couldn't hit the shot. And then I was, the thing is I was always, I was always going to try to win it. That was, you know, that's what, that being an import, I know coming here, that was, that was what you got to do. So I was always going to try to win it and, you know, got the opportunity. And that was, you know, that was it. Went into my little, my patented spin move that I use, And yeah, you know, Go seven there. seconds ago. and <laughs> There it is. Seven seconds ago and game over. And that's the thing. I, like, even I, after, after that, it was one of those situations. I, I still say it to this day, you know, that, that winning the championship in my first year is probably the reason why I'm, you know, why I'm still here, why I still ended up here, you know. And then to do it in, you know, to do it in that fashion, but yeah. No, it's, it's, it's for me, it's a, you know, it's an iconic shot.
0: Because that that first game was just unbelievable, and then the second game, you comfortably beat the thirty sixers, who, despite having a great team in their own right with Maher and Davis, Phil Smythe, What what made your North Melbourne Giants team so good? Because to win like that in game two was pretty unexpected at the time.
2: The clock's running down. Rose will have one last three. Being called. No, it hasn't. The fairy tale is now complete. North Melbourne are the champions in season 94.
4: Like just we just we we played together, like we you know we was one of those groups, and like we used to. funny because we had uniforms on our on our practice jerseys. You know, it said no egos, and I think we you know we live by that. Like that was that was our thing. You know, we just. You know, play together. Number, it wasn't about who got the glory. We just won it was just a team. It was all about team. You know, we just want who's gonna when your numbers call, you you know, you come out, you do your job and and we win. And again, we like I said, we the way we play, we, we play different and we because of the because of the zone and like if you couldn't prepare for the zone you you didn't have nothing to beat it, you wasn't gonna beat it. And, and we and we lived on that. And then we played, like I said, we played that the whole, we played the zone the whole year. You know what I mean? But we had a, you know, we had an older group. That's another thing. Like, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of vets. We had a lot of guys that had been in the league for for a little while now. And, you yeah, know, like, like I said, the whole, it was no no egos, man. We just we just played together as a team. Brett, Brett you know, put a, put a good roster together. And again, I was the only guy that, that he brought in that year. So they had this. And that's another. They had the same team, just with you. But then he, you know, he got. I, I can't remember the import what his name was. But then he got rid of him and then brought me in, and that was a that was a change. We ended up winning the championship.
0: So did your first NBL season come at a surprise at all? Because you come in, you're all NBL first team, you're good hands award. You come second in the league MVP, and you win the championship. Did, was that all just like a whirlwind for you that first year?
4: To be honest, yeah, yeah, no, it was like, because again, again, I didn't know what to expect with the league, you know what I mean? And you know, you, your first game, so my first game in NBL, people was talking about I, I should, I should get cut because of Ricky <laughs> Ricky Grace killed me. Ricky Grace had like twenty, he had like a twenty nine point triple double on me in my first game, and so people was like, Nah, he he can't play in this league. He ain't ready for this league. And, you know, you hear the whispers, and I'm like, okay. And so from there, from then on, I just, you know, I just went, I just played. You know what I mean? I just I, did, I just did what I actually can do. I did what I know what I can do. You know what I mean? And, they, you know, led the league in assist, led the league in steal. You know, I averaged like almost 19 points a game. But then, you know, like you said, the, the carrot was to, to win the championship. And, you know, to go one point off of winning MVP. Yeah, I mean it was, it was it was it was you know easily my best year, you know what I mean? Easily my best year, and then to come away with that championship just put the icing on the cake.
0: Yeah, nice. And what about the year after? So '95 with the Giants, you have another very good season. Not just yourself, but but the Giants in general. You finish third this year, and you make the Grand Final series again with wins against Brisbane and the Magic. But this time you face a powerful Perth Wildcats team under Adrian Hurley. They still had Ricky Grace, James Crawford, Vlahov, Catalini, Fisher. You won the first game. Down to eight seconds now. McDonald pulls it out, won't put up a shot. Vlahov
2: made the steal all too late. here over the half-court line. One second left. And North Melbourne have drawn first blood in the 95 grand final
0: series. Winning game one and third by seven points. 104-97. to But the Wildcats win games two and three. That's, yeah, that's pretty rare. When you when you look back on the history books of the NBL, it's pretty rare for a team to win game one and then not win the series. One oh eight to eighty eight. We're counting down. Three, two. Here's Rudy. The Wildcats
2: are champions. The Wildcats have won their third championship in the NBL. Champions for nineteen ninety five. Let the crowd tell the
4: story. And you know what made it even worse. We actually won game one in person. The way the league was, right? Was, back then, no matter it always went away, home, home. Okay, so the, the, yeah, so they had the top, they had the best record, so they would they would get the the, the last two home games.
0: Yeah, to give them the but advantage. It, but,
4: yeah, but it got changed But for some reason they couldn't either they couldn't get to stay on or they couldn't play at a certain time. So we end up getting the advantage by going there first, then coming home and playing game two, and then we had to go back there for game three, and that—that's the thing that hurt us, because we went over there and beat them in game one, but then they came in our place and beat us in game two, and the way that that year was the way that even more bad was we played, the winner of the championship was, to, was going to, uh, going to England, I think it was England. Yeah, to play in the McDonald's Cup, and so the winner was, was going to play against the uh, the Houston Rockets. So, yeah, I've, that, I've
0: watched that game on uh, on YouTube. So the winner of that was going to um, play in the McDonald's
4: Cup, and then, like I said, we had that we had game one all in the bag. Like we was, you know, we were good, and you know, we figured we get home, we gonna win this easy, and we had them. Like we was up twelve in that game. We was up twelve in the fourth quarter, and they just. They just made a run on us, and we, we, there's nothing we can do. And then we went over there, and they, 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 they beat us by, like, 30. Like, James Crawford had, like, 35 points, and it was all dunks. Like, we had nothing.
0: And James so, Crawford was was kind of on the way down a little bit. He, he had passed his prime, but turned it on in the finals.
4: Oh, uh, I wouldn't say he passed his prime, but he was unbelievable. Like, we could, he seriously had, like, all his points was on dunks. He was dunking pretty much everything. And we, yeah, we we had nothing. You know what I mean? Like we was we was done. They went on to play the Houston Rockets. They ended up getting beat pretty bad. But then they beat. I think if I can't mistake, if I can't remember, I think they beat Barcelona or one of the one of those European teams, maybe Real Madrid or something like that.
0: So, do you look at that and think what an opportunity it would have been for you personally and for your team to play against the Houston Rockets?
4: Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. It was something that I was, I was, I was really hoping for. And not as funny as you say that Mario Ellie, right, was actually on the Houston Rockets at that time, and he would, was a good friend of mine.
0: You would have come up against him again.
4: I would have seen, yeah. I, but because I, I, I played with, I always, I played with Mario. I never really played against him. I played with him, so I would. Have, this would have been an opportunity to play against him. You know what I mean? And we also had Chris Jen on our team, and Chris Jen had was Chris Jen was on one of those championship teams. Because Jen had won a ring with Houston, you know what I mean. So he was, we was, we was going over there. Was, I was looking forward to it, you know. Chris, uh, Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell. I was looking forward to playing against those guys, but we just didn't get it done.
0: So what's it like when you when you come to the league, you win a championship, and you make the grand final series the next year? You hoping to go back to back, and you don't get it done. In that moment, do you almost forget about the '94 championship?
4: Mm, no, nah, never forgot. Never forgot about it. Yeah, because it was it was my you know it was my first one, but you know the opportunity to go back to back and not do it really hurt us. Because again, we was like we was a good we was a pretty good team, you know what I mean. And to not to not do it again, and then for me, you know I, I end up with the Titans, and we go to we go to two grand finals and don't win. And then you know then my Tigers days come, and we end up you know my last couple of years we win two championships. The last you know out of the five years we win two out of the, out of those three years, so it was, it was, it was, it was tough.
0: So, can you talk to me a little bit about what happened three years later when the North Melbourne Giants go from being in two grand final series in a row to all of a sudden dissolving as a club? What exactly was the reason for the club shutting up shop, and what was it like for yourself and also the other players when that all happened?
4: It was, yeah, it was tough. You know, to, to get that call and. You know, it was, it was tough to get that call that there wasn't going to be, a, you know, there wasn't going to be a team. I was probably, you know, I was probably one of the lucky ones, you know what I mean? Because being an import and because of the seasons I've had before that, I knew I would probably, you know, I knew I would probably keep a job. You know, but then the merger, the merger with us, you know, North Melbourne and Southeast Melbourne, that was, that was interesting. You know what I mean? Because it was one of those things that we was almost rivals. With those guys and now we got to all come together and play together
5: was that awkward it
4: was yeah it was it was it was it was it was weird but you know what gorgian you know gorgian ended up getting the job over brett and then um they you know they they, they had a chat to both teams and all the players and I, and i think Gorgian knew exactly who he wanted and you know he met with 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 the guys that he wanted to keep and you know then then we just went from there like my like my meeting my meeting took about easily about 30 seconds you know what I mean like i, I went in there had a chat to him and he, you know, I walked in I said he said are you in I said yeah I'm in and that was pretty much it that was pretty much it but then he you know he asked me about uh David Smith David Smith was a could David Smith play the backup point guard and I said yeah I think he can and then that was it my, 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 my I was, we, we were done and we was the team. You know what I mean, and so I, but that year, that's the year I was. I, had a, I was coming off an injury because I did my knee at the end of um, the, the 2000, not 2000, the ninety-seven season. I did my knee, so I went there. So I had that. We had that ninety-eight season. That that little. We had a quick, like a. It was like a January to June season, kind of like what we playing now. We had a season like that, and I I, I didn't play. I only played like. Ten games in that season. Is that when Those they they went
0: in. to summer the year after? Yeah, yeah before yeah. they
4: went to summer. So I was coming off a knee injury, so I was trying to, you know just doing everything to get my knee right. And then that first year with the Titans, uh, my knee goes out again. You know what I mean? And then Bruce Gray, who uh, every time I see him, you know, he, I think he saved, he kind of saved my career. So I got on the weights with him, and he you know he built my knee, built my legs up, built my knees up, built my knee up. And then, you know, never had another problem with it. You know what I mean? And we, we had though, we had some, that first year, you know, we went, we actually went to the grand final with Gorge and lost, um, lost to Adelaide.
2: Having taken G being played by the Victoria Titans as the clock winds its way down on the 1999 Mitsubishi Challenge Series and Martin Catalini, who has 19 points a game high, holds his finger in the air. Adelaide! have won the 1999 Mitsubishi Challenge Grand Final in its first summer season, and only the 14 in 21 years for back-to-back championship crowns. Congratulations to the 36ers.
4: And in the next year, we went to the grand final again and, and, and lost to Perth.
2: Seven-point advantage for the Perth Wildcats. Timmons reaching in from behind us tonight. Jason Smith, the ball. Ricky Grace, hands off to Stewart. We count down the last five seconds. The Perth Wildcats, Stewart fires, can't finish it off. But the champions for 2000 in the MW Mitsubishi Challenge are the Perth Wildcats.
4: But so that, that's, you know, another, another killer. But then the, the, the last two years, we had, we had a few injuries. A couple guys got injured and we lost in the, we lost in the semis both of those years. That was, you know, it's the one thing. I guess the one thing I regret, probably out of them, playing NBL is not winning a championship with Gordon. Like I wanted, like I really, you know, it was one of those things I really wanted to win a championship with him. Again, we had opportunities, but we just, just didn't get it done.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's the the greatest NBL coach in history. You mentioned those two grand final losses in in ninety ninety nine and then two thousand. You had so in your first six years in the NBL, you're more often than not winning individual awards. So you won three consecutive first team selections, four Good Hands awards, NBL All Star MVP, and you nearly won the league MVP. As I mentioned, you played in four grand final series, but you only won one championship. You won three. Yeah. You won three championships in your career and I'm, I'm sure you're very proud of that, but do you ever look at your career and think, yeah, I won three, but I probably could have won four or five?
4: Yeah, of course. I could have won seven. Yeah, really? Yeah, right. I could have won them all. You know what I mean? Could have won, won more a, than anyone think, in history. Yeah, I think that last, you know, not the last, I think the, that the one that, that first one we lost to Perk was one that hurt. You know what I mean? Because again, it's, it's, it was it was an individual one not only did you know it was it was it, because Ricky Grace Ricky Grace was always like a, a rival like he's a good friend of mine but you know between the lines we always we always battle you know what i mean and he was the guy to me when i came here Ricky Grace was the guy like i got to you know if i'm going to play in this league he's the guy i have to i have to you know what i mean i, I got to try to take his man you know i got to try to take his mantle you, you know what I mean, and to, do, to have to not do it, and you know, like I said, I won. We won that first year, but then that second year, we played them and they beat us. Kind of, you know, to get back, and then the ha- you know for it to happen again, it happened two times, losing a perk twice was another like another one. It, it, it just hurts, you know. But then you know, to lose to Adelaide with you know Donnell Me, was you know he was a really good. He was really good when he was here, and then lose the. Lose the Ricky again? So yeah, of course. You know, losing losing those grand finals really hurt. You know, but then the the finishing you know, finish my career on a couple was really you know really sad. I guess I would say satisfying to get the opportunity to do it.
2: Referee says, fellas, take a break. It's halftime.
0: Hey everyone, I just want to say a very big thank you to those who have engaged with A5Q. I really do appreciate all the support. I trust you're enjoying delving into all things Australian sport and hopefully you will continue to stick around. It would be a massive help if you could please do me a solid, subscribe to the podcast and hit me up with a rating and a review. Gaining as much positive feedback as possible helps boost my visibility and it allows the podcast to be seen by other Australian sports tragics out there. Now enough of that, let's get back into it because the second half of A5Q is about to get underway. So you, a couple of years later, you eventually leave the Titans, who by this time had rebranded to the Victoria Giants. Did you Did you move the year before they fold? They folded.
4: Uh, Yeah, I did. So what made? I didn't move. They got rid of me.
0: Oh, they got? Did they get rid of you? What was What was the story there?
4: I'll tell you, and I'm. I'm always tell the story. So the first that first year, right? I was I was actually a. I was a, a little upset with that first year because we, we were still there with the opportunity to make the playoffs, but nobody nobody knew it. Like, nobody really thought that. And we end up losing a couple of games that we should have won. If we win those games, we actually can make the finals. You know what I mean? But we don't. So that year, after the year finished, I, you know, I get a call in the office and, you know, um, we decide we're going to let you go because, you know, we're trying to build a championship team in our third and fifth year, right? So what happened was I get a call. Like, I call a friend of mine, Lenard Copeland. So I call Copes, and I go, yo, I, the Giants just, just got rid of me. He was like, what? I said, yeah. I said, they just got rid of me. He said, yo, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. He didn't even call me. Seamus McPeak called me, who was the owner of the Melbourne Tigers. He called and goes, do you want you want to come to the Tigers? I was like, yeah, definitely. He said, all right, come come in my office. Come see me on Monday.
0: So it all yeah. happened so quickly.
4: Yeah, it had quick. I, I was out of a job with the Giants. I had an opportunity to go to Cairns also. I had an opportunity to go to Cairns with – um, Guy Malloy he was the head coach in Cairns at the time. And I had an opportunity to go there. But I had I had my family. I didn't really want to – Travel. To, I didn't want to take my family all the way to Kansas, so I I, I ended up not going. So I ended up going, I ended up staying and playing with the Tigers, and that's you know that's how I ended up with Melman. So you know that first year I was six man of the year. The next year, no, both of those years was I thought we could have did so much better in those years. We just you know what I mean. We had we made the playoffs, but just couldn't get over the hump. Drewy uh, Drewy Drew retired. Uh, Lindsey Lindsey retired. Lenard and Brackey we both went to Brisbane, and Al, Al Westover became the head coach. And I, I'm I'm. It's funny though because I was actually coaching. I was coaching the Tigers at this time, so I was I was I was assist, actually I was assistant coach with Warwick Giddy, coaching um he was coaching the Big V team. I was I was his assistant coaching the Big V. And so one, one day, you know, this was after, after those guys retired and left. So I get a call So Al Westover to a Thursday night. I'm actually on my way to Wollongong that Friday. So that Friday morning, I had a flight to Wollongong to sign a contract. Al calls me on a Thursday night. Mac, you know, what's going on? How's things? You know, just want to talk to you about next year. And I was like... Or next season, I want to talk to you about next season. I'm like, what about next season? I'm going. To, I got. I'm going. To, I'm going to Wollongong tomorrow. I got a deal on the table, and the phone just went silent, and he didn't say nothing. He was like, Oh, really? You know, I want you back here. And I'm like, I actually. You're, again, I actually, I didn't know that because nobody was telling me anything. You get what I mean? So I didn't. I didn't know that. So he said, Well. You know, I want you back. I got, you know, I got Anski coming back. You know, we're going to sign Rashad Tucker. We're going to sign Dave. So we going to have some, because some because I was on that team the year before. Rashad Tucker was on that team the year before. We wasn't playing as much. So he said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring you guys. Um, I'm a, Chris Anski coming in. And I was like, is Anski really coming? That was my whole thing. Is Anski really, is you know, is Chris Anski really coming? He said, yeah, now he's he, he going to come back. So I'm like, okay. So he said, you know, go to Wollongong, just don't sign anything. And I was like, all right. So I went up. It's crazy because I so I went up that, that next morning, and and I get on the plane, and you know, Brendan Joyce, Brendan Joyce was the head coach. He picks me up, and we ride the we ride to Wollongong, and I'm sitting up here going, I gotta like I, I, I need to tell him what I'm you know what I'm actually gonna do. So I actually told him I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to the Tigers, and he's like, you know what, I kind of figured that said, I, I kind of figured that, you know, appreciate you letting me know. But I still did, you know, I still did the tour. I still did the, um, the, the tour of Willingong and, and everything. And he was like, nah, you no, know, I appreciate you letting me go.' And then I came back and I had a chat to Sheamus. And, you know, I signed another, signed a new deal. And then we went on to win the championship. And the crazy thing is, like, I I'd always used it the Giants. That they would, they, they wanted they was going they wanted to win a championship you know between they you know at least they they trying to a, they're trying to build a championship between the next three to five years. I actually won a championship in my third and fifth year.
0: Yeah, because I mean that two thousand and six championship in particular, that was a very different year for the Tigers. I mean, you think about Andrew and Lindsay Gaze. They had been there since 1984. And to think of a Melbourne Tigers outfit without them or without Mark Bradkey and, and Leonard Copeland was was crazy. You know, Al Westover comes in, I think Chris Anstey comes in as well. You're made the captain with Anstey. What was that 06 season like for the club? Because it was obviously a very it was a, a new era for the Melbourne Tigers that had been in the same position for such a long time with the same players and same coach for twenty years.
4: Well, I guess, for the club, it was yeah, it was a change. But you know, I think it was more like you said, it was changed because though the you know the three mainstays wasn't there. So you know, Drewy, Copes, and Bracky wasn't there. So that was that was the that was the that was the difference. You know, when you're used to seeing those guys in uniform, you know, Drewy all his life and then I think Brad he ten or twelve, maybe fourteen years. Leonard, like 15, 16 years, all in the same team. It was different. Well, you know, it was different. But for us as players, we all had we all had chips. Like, we all had chips on our shoulders. Every one of us. So everybody that was on that team we had a chip. And now our, our only our only goal was to win championship. That's all we thought about. And you, and won- Al, you know, I, Al, Al, put together, you know, how we was gonna play, and you know, even that first day when he came in, so our first week, our first month, maybe first, I won't even say our first two weeks of training, we was we was doing defensive drills for two weeks. Like we didn't even we didn't do nothing, we didn't even put an offense, but we all pretty much knew the offense from the year before because we all ran it from the year before. But our first two weeks, without we it was it was all defensive oriented. So we came in with a defensive mindset, and then that was it. We ended up winning the championship. Like we was one of the best defensive teams teams in the league, but we also had like our offense was really good. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah, because I mean the Tigers there under our Westover, they made the Grand Final series four seasons in a row. Now I know you weren't there for nine, yeah. but you were there 06, 07 away. I
4: was I was there for nine. I just wasn't a player. I was one of the coaches.
0: Yeah, yeah, you weren't there as a as a player. But I want to talk about 06 Because that year Is arguably one of the best championships of all time Really Because you stopped a four-peat Brian Gorshin with the Sydney Kings that, That's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a club To do the four-peat Four championships in a row No one's ever done it in NBL history And you eased to victory 3-0 in the series How does that championship for you stack up with 94?
4: It stacks up because, like I said, because of I mean, because of what we wanted to do, like like I said, we our, our whole mindset was just to to win a championship. You know, for me, I, I go from coming off the bench to you know back to a starting point guard in the league. You know, Anthony comes back from Russia. Tucker, you know, Tucker had left. He was at Perth. They, I think they got rid of him. So we signed him. You know, he was one of the best players in the league. Dave Thomas was another one of the best players in the league. So it's stacked up. And then even like you said, that 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 four peak We did. We lost to Sydney. I, we might have lost to them every game in the in the uh, during the season. All, we might have beat them once during the season. I remember, and I can I can remember Anstey, I think we played them. It might have been the last time we played them before before we met them in the grand final. I think we we played them in the regular season. I think Anstey just came in the locker room and said, um, if y'all, if anybody in this locker room don't we don't think we can beat them because we haven't because we didn't beat them. He said, if you if anybody in this locker room think we can't beat them leave now, you know what I mean? Leave now. And then that was it. We actually went out, we ended up beating them. And in the grand final, we the grand final, we ended up sweeping them. You know what I mean? And that was, that was it. And then, like you said, to be able to, cause they was, they was, they was the team. They was, the, you know, they was, they was the yardstick. Sydney was the yardstick. After winning, yeah, winning, winning three championships in a row. Which I don't, I don't think I think they may be The only ones that have done it Until I think New Zealand Done it maybe later But Yeah you're yeah. right
0: It's just uh, S- was, Sydney um, and New Zealand Are the only ones That have done yeah,
4: it Only when they have done it So They was um They was the yardstick and, like, and then to sweep them Like we Like we swept them too Like you know Game one Beat them Because they had they, they had the best record In the league And after then We beat them We beat them both We beat them in Sydney We actually beat them both time. Like the championship win We're both in Sydney. You know, we beat them on their floor both years.
0: When you hear that sound, that means one of two things, either quarter time or three-quarter time break. This occasion, three-quarter time, and that means giving you guys a little bit of a sneak peek preview of another guest I've got coming on A5Q. I got to sit down and have a chat with another NBL legend who played for the New Zealand Breakers and the Perth Wildcats. It's Sean Redditch, four-time NBL champion, an all round nice guy. Here is a little preview of it. I think
3: when you come to the Wildcats, uh, you know, every preseason, they're they're not talking about making the finals. They're talking about winning titles. And, uh, you know, we hadn't done that up until that point. We had had some good teams, but just hadn't got over the hump and then brought in Rob Beveridge and... You know, he brought in a a lot of different guys. We only kept a couple guys from the year before. So I'm not sure we really thought that first year was going to be a championship year. But we were playing some great basketball at the end. It was a a really close uh, season. We ended up finished top of the ladder only by one game, I think. So it wasn't, um, you know, we we were probably up and down throughout the year. But I think it just kind of – more a sense of relief. It just kind of validated uh, your time at the Wildcats. I think if you came over here and you played for so many years and had won a championship, um, you know, when you got Ricky Grace sitting there with four and Scotty Fisher and um, Andrew Lawhoff with all these championships and the banners all around, you kind of felt this pressure that we needed to get one. And so that, that first one was pretty special.
0: Sean Redditch absolutely is up there with the likes of Ricky Grace and James Crawford, the Alabama Slammer, uh, Andrew Vlahov, Mike Ellis, Tiny Pinder, Damian Martin, Bryce Cotton—he's in that realm of one of the greatest wildcats of all time. So you'll definitely want to check that out. But until then, let's get back to our man D Mac. Yeah, because if you if if Sydney if Sydney won that series, they would be no doubt the greatest NBL team of all time. Four championships in a row, and you stop it. But does it change the way not the way you feel about a championship, but you had two championships that were spread apart. So you won one in '94. I think you were 30 at the time, and then another one 12 years later in when you were 42. How do you view the championships with them being so far apart and having so many opportunities in between that time and not being able to to win another one until then?
4: You know what? It's, it's, it's the feeling is the same because it's a championship. Like it's so hard to win them. You know what I mean? It's so hard to win them I and I, I mean again, going from 94 and then not not winning another one till, you know, 2006. It, it's hard to do, man. Championships are so hard to come by. You know what I mean? Like they they, they hard to come by. Like everything gotta be everything kind of gotta be clicking. Man. You know what I mean? That's that's how you get them. health health again. Health plays a you know, health plays a big part. Yeah, yeah, it's just and being able to get there other times and not win it was hurt. like and I, I was I used to when I didn't when we didn't win, you know those championships we didn't win like I, I struggled the you know that that for like a week, you know, I couldn't sleep because my whole I always thought about, you know, why we didn't win Like I because again being a point guard I took a lot on my shoulders of why we didn't win no matter how good I played we didn't win You know what I mean? So I take I took a lot of that stuff on my shoulders, and I seriously, I like I struggled with just, you know, again, they just played on my mind. Why, you know, why we didn't win? Why we didn't win? Why we didn't win? But then the opportunity came around in 2006, and we, you know, we, we got it done. And then, you know, 2000 2007, we here again. But then, you know, we playing against that Brisbane Bullets team, who pretty much they was the Golden State Warriors for the Warriors. They was tough and we just we you know we 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 couldn't beat them we lost that you know lost that series 4 to 1
2: and now the bullets will start celebrating they lead by nine with 15 seconds to play and it is all over for the reigning champs the team owned by Eddie Groves and the ABC Learning Centres have handed the reigning champions a grand final lesson to clinch their first title in 20 years and send the bullets fans to brisneyland
0: Full-time from the cage in Melbourne, reads Brisbane 103, Melbourne 94. They
4: had Joey, yeah, Joey Wright there as, as the coach. Yeah, Joey, Joey Wright was coaching, like, you know, CJ Bruton, Abby Ra, Sam McKinnon, you know, Brackey was on there. They had a crew. Young
0: you know Adam Gibson.
4: Mean? Yeah, Gibbo, uh, McHill. They had a crew. Stephen Black. It was tough. Uh, Dusty Reichardt, we just, we couldn't, we just couldn't deal with him. Like, they, they, they beat us. But then we met him again the next year in the semifinal and end up sweeping him. So beat him at home and then to go over there and, you know, beat him in overtime in the, in the semis and then come back against, you know, again, getting, playing against Sydney. Now that series went, you know, that series went to five games. But another one of those situations where, you know, we go to Sydney in game, we up, you know, tied 1 1, going back to Sydney for game three. And then we end up beating them in game three in Sydney with an opportunity to win it on our home floor. And then they beat us. They end up, they, they beat us on our home floor to take it to five games. And again, uh, and Chris, like Chris, Chris was a big time, you know. Big time leader, man. Such a, such a, such a great leader. He sent, you know, after that game, you you lose. Like now we got to go back to Sydney, you know. You 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 lose, you lose that one on your home floor when you, you got your fans there and you know the confetti is in the field and we don't win. It would like he put it down like it was like, oh no, nah, y'all, you just can't be serious. But that night we all get a text, you know, we get a text message from Chris. He said, Fellas, we're going, we, we going to Sydney and we're going to win. And he did. And he said, Oh, that's all he said. He said, We're going to win. We, we're going to win game five in Sydney. And we ended up doing it. You know, we went out and it was fun of those situations like that series. Like but we always, it's funny because I look back in that series, it was always, they, you know, they always made a one on us. Or we would make a run, and they would come back on us. You know what I mean? And the whole series was like that. And I just seen, I can remember seeing uh, game five, right? halftime. Halftime of game five, I could see. I wasn't even looking at our guys. I was looking at theirs. And they're walking off, and they just look cooked. They they look so tired. And then I actually seen, our what you call it, I seen them. we had like you know every every year you, you go back and they talk about the finals. They showed them at halftime, and you could see them at halftime all sitting down, like they, they was they was cooked.
0: They were just exhausted. And
4: yeah, they was exhausted, and I knew it. And like I said, they made they run on us, but I think they made they run on us early. And when they did that, we came we came home, and then and that's why and that's why we pulled that one out.
0: And what's, that was your final game, game five. That is the way yeah. any – doesn't matter what sport you play, whether it's basketball, AFL, soccer, cricket, rugby, everyone wants their last game to be a championship-winning game. How lucky do you feel that your final game was a championship winning game?
2: Darryl McDonald is celebrating at centre court in his last appearance in the NBL. The 43-year-old is going to take home the prize. After their title defence took a bullet from Brisbane in last year's grand final, the Melbourne Tigers have now roared back to the top of the NBL jungle. And with their fourth championship win, no one else has had more success in the NBL. the Kings 73 emotional scenes for Daryl McDonald the 43 year old started his NBL career with a championship in 1994 he completes his NBL Odyssey with a championship in his last game in 2008 and no one
6: deserves the finale more than him a future Hall of Famer my brother Dale McDonald, congratulations, D Mac. What a game! What a fairy tale end to one of the greatest careers this country has ever seen. Mate, don't you, you start going, mate, because if you start going, my brother, I'm going to go with you. It's just been a, a fantastic ride, and uh, down the stretch coming on. I mean, Nathan Croswell did an outstanding did job, you and you, and you came in those last three or four minutes. You did
5: Puzzle did a hell of a job the whole series, man. We do want to apologize for that that on on Wednesday. Apologize to our fans. Those guys have been great. We wanted to I, think the, I think the pressure got to us a bit. But you know it's funny, Drew? Nobody dropped their head. We said we we're gonna come up here and we we're gonna get this game. And we stuck to our guns, man. And I don't I honestly don't even know what to say, man. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable.
6: It, it must be just uh, when you think of your entire career, I mean there's so many great moments but this surely will be a fantastic
5: memory. This will definitely be on top. This will be up there with all of them. I mean, you know, I I, I like to talk about my career, but I think it's been all right. But to end it, you know, to end it, you know, to end it winning a a grand final, you can't ask for nothing more, man. You know what I mean? And and even to still be playing and being a part of a a championship, you know, at, at, at this time, there's nothing more I can say, man. Uh, it's unbelievable.
6: Particularly when you think of this game and the devastation of the way you guys lost Game Four, it really required a lot of guts to be able to get the fellas fired up and bounce back.
5: You're right. You're right. Because after that game, everybody was a bit down. Everybody was a bit down. Chris Anstey texted me after the game. Said, "Listen, man, we gonna still get. We gonna still get them. We gonna get them. We had a meeting when we got up here. Because everybody, you know, even on the flight, nobody talking, nobody doing nothing. Everybody was a bit down. Once we got up here, we knew." You know, we looked at video, looked at things we can do to, to, to get better. And we knew once we come in here, we just wanted, we didn't want them to get off to a good start. That was the main thing. We know they get off to a good start. They got 10,000 people in here. They get going. they wanted one of them teams that play on emotion, And we kind of wanted to take that emotion out. I think once we got the lead, took it out a bit. But then we made our run right when we needed to. We didn't make it too early like, you know, a couple of other games. We could get up and then they made their run. We made our run late in the fourth. They had to, had to come back and, you know, shoot some threes. They, they, they couldn't do it. I think they was a bit tired. And saying that we stuck together, man, rebounded the ball and got the win jewelry.
6: And Darryl, and, and all on behalf of myself and every single basketball fan, you have brought so much pleasure to the basketballing public and the sporting public in general. It has been an unbelievable ride you've taken us along. 43 years of age, you're a credit to you. And outside of the outstanding basketball ability, you're an even better bloke and a great thanks, role model thanks. for all our kids. Thank you very Thank much, you. Darryl. Appreciate it. Thanks
5: to everybody. Appreciate it. This is it for me. But I will be around basketball somehow. Thanks for everything, Australia.
4: Oh no, I did. Oh, definitely luck. Definitely lucky. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you know, it doesn't how many times does it happen? My first year I won a championship. You know, my last year I won a championship.
0: Yeah, that's even more oh, rare.
4: And I go out I go out on the championship. But I actually as much as I retired, I actually was gonna play again the next year. So I, yeah, I was I was I was going around again. But it didn't pan out because Joey, like Joey Wright, Joey Wright was in Brisbane at the time. He gives me a call and I'm walking my daughter's two little puppies, you know, two little chihuahuas. And he gives me a call and he go, Matt, I said, Joe, what's up? He said, you retired? I go, I go it depends on what you mean. He said, I want, you, I want you to come to Brisbane. And, and work, you know, play and work work with Adam Gibson. Because, you know, we talked about Adam Gibbons, you know, Gibson was there. So I want you to come to, come to uh, Brisbane for a year, work with Adam Gibson and, and uh, for a year, and then i put you on the coaching staff for two years. So I was going up there. So I was going to do three years up there. So I went up about the week after. I went up for a visit. You know, we had a chat and talked about how, what we wanted to do and... And things like that, and everything was done. And then about a, you know, I, 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 Joey called me about. I think I heard I didn't hear from him for about three weeks. He was in America, and he called me and said, "Sorry to tell you this, but the Brisbane thing is not gonna happen." So the guy that was putting his money in pulled the pin on it. Wow. So yeah, and then that was that was it for me. I wasn't. I was done. I knew that that was pretty much the sign to tell me I was done. So.
0: The great Daryl McDonald could have been a Brisbane Bullets player.
4: Yeah. I was, I was, it was, uh, was going to be done. I sure was. I was, I was going. So. so I went up there for that visit and he, that was it. So I was, as much as I was retired, I was coming out of retirement for a year.
0: Was that disappointing that it didn't work out or, or were you happy to end it the way it did with a championship or, or or do you, do you still look at that and feel disappointed that you didn't end up going to Brisbane?
4: I kind of, I kind of do, like, cause again, it's, 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 some of it is coaching. Like, I would have loved to play for Joe, you know, even at even at my age. And the reason why I say that because Leonard and Brackey both played with them, and they both loved playing for him. You know what I mean? So I'm getting, you know, I'm thinking that same thing. Like I would have loved, I would have loved to play for him that year, you know. And even if I didn't play a lot, the opportunity to to, to play and then, you know, the, 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 like it wasn't like I was just going up there for a year. It was gonna be like a three year, a three year thing. So I was yeah, gonna right, go right. play and then go on the coaching staff for two years. I was I was actually looking forward to, it. but then they, you know when that when they said no, that kind of yeah, like it, it kind of put a not it put didn't put a damp on on my on on anything because like you said I just finished and I just won a championship. I just finished winning the championship, you know. But another year I wouldn't
0: mind playing another year. Yeah right. I mean, they say everything happens for a reason, but yeah, yeah. To, to see you running around there in a Brisbane Bullets uh, jersey would have been very interesting.
4: Yeah, I think it would have surprised a lot of people. Yeah. So nobody knew. It. Yeah, nobody knew about it. It was it was kind of out of it was out of the blue.
0: Yeah, that's wow. I, I, that's one thing I never knew about you. that You could have yeah, been no, a Brisbane a Bullets of, player.
4: No, a lot of people didn't know. Because again, at Sheamus. It's funny though, because Sheamus. The, Northern Tigers owner. He was pretty much telling me, "Dude, you done. You know, I'm not. You're not coming back here. So you might as well go ahead and retire." And I was like, "Okay, all right." And so yeah, I end up retiring. But I got that call from Joey, and I was, I was actually, I was unretired. I was gonna play again.
0: You were ready to go. Like if, yeah, if they, going. if they agreed to it, that would have been it. You would have been Brisbane Bullets. Yeah, I was going. That was done. Done That's deal. Something else. Oh Well, look, D-Mac, just as we're getting towards the end now, I've got three last questions for you, and I always ask these questions to everyone I have on the show in one sentence. In your career, who is the best player you ever played with and why? Who's the best player you ever played against and why? And who is the best coach you ever played under and why? And actually, because I've got you here, I'll ask you a fourth question. Who is the best player you ever coached and why?
4: I'm sorry to tell you, but... Those questions are hard to answer.
0: <laughs> That's what everyone says.
4: They, they seriously, because I play with, again, so I play with I play with Andrew Gaze. He's known and he's pretty much, he goes down as the greatest Australian to ever play here.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
4: What? I play with, you know, again, I play with Lennon Copeland. I play with Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? Anstey is, you know, Anstey is easily up there. You know, Dave Thomas is another one Easily up there I'm talking about the guys that, that I played with For you know A couple of years You know A guy like Chris Gent Comes out for a year He was Like he should be up there You know Who, who else Pat Reedy Was another one Like all oh, You know like Those guys From those Giants days I played with those guys Tony Ronaldson Who played the most games In Australian history
0: 665
4: Yeah. Yeah You know what I mean Jason Smith Like I It's hard to pick I'm sorry. It's hard to pick one guy, but if I actually had to, it would be Chris Anstey because I won, like, uh, like I, for what he's done, and you know I won two championships with him because I like me and me and Chris had a had a had a bit of a rapport because I played with him in my Titans days too, and then for him to come back, you know, come come back with the Tigers and we win two championships. It would, it would. If I had to pick one, it would probably, it would definitely be him. I'm just gonna say, I'm, well, mostly the point guards. you look at the point guards around, you know, Ricky Grace, Derek Rucker, you know, Darnell Mee. you know. And I, when I go back in those days, um, Andre LaFleur, Butch Hayes, every week you you going up against somebody tough, man. You know what I mean? You're going up against somebody tough, and then you add to that, you add Andrew Gaze to that, you add Lenar Colbert to that. You know, Robert Rose. That's another one you got to put on that list. These are the, these are the guys that you know that I that I used to go against. I'm missing. I know I'm missing some names.
2: Yeah, you know, the some list guys goes come on. out
4: and they play. You know, they come out and they play. They have their one year, and they you know, and then you know, have one year, and then they go back. But they was really good. You know, the mainstays at those are the games, other other guys I've just named. Who you know, come out here. C.J. Bruton is another one. Those are the guys that you that 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 you play against that you played against in the league for years. You know what I mean. But it's, again, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick one, and and it's hard to pick one. I can't just pick one. Best coach, I can't pick. Look who I play. Look who I play with. Like who I look. I played under. <laughs> I played under all the best coaches. It's very
0: v- very hard <laughs> you know question. What I mean? Like yeah, man. Brett,
4: Brett Brown the start. Did I get Brian Gordon? Did I play for Mark White for a year. I also played with Phil Smice at for the for the, uh, for the Boomers uh, for, the, for the national team.
0: Yeah, right, absolutely. And then
4: I get I get Al Westover. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 hard to to to, 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 to pick one. You know, I think Brett Brett and Brian were similar. You know, Lindsey. I forgot about Lindsey. I played for Lindsey for two years, and he's he's pretty much <laughs> he's basketball royalty. here. You know, I play I played with him for two years. So I got an opportunity to play against all the all the best coaches. I guess Brian and Brett are all similar. You know what I mean? Like they're similar, in and how they how they approach the game. But Lindsey, you know, I think Lindsey because he's getting older was a little bit laid back. And Al, you know, Al was Al was really good, and like what, what we did and what we you know what we what we needed to do. And again, he built like he put the championship team together. We ended up winning the and I still I'm still baffled out. You know, Al goes to four championships and he couldn't get another job. I, that that one blows me. You know, what me? he I hasn't got, got another. He done. hasn't
0: got another opportunity since. No,
4: that, that that one that's a that's a weird one for me. But yeah, like again, they all all different in their own all different in their own way, but really good. And again, I take kind of take my coaching style of I take different things from each of those guys of how they like how they approach the game. I can. not I don't know. I can't answer that.
2: That's
4: a, <laughs> that's that's a, a hard one as well. One. Yeah, that's another hard one.
0: Nah, that's fine, like, D Yeah, man.
4: yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's, that's a, that's a hard one because I had some, yeah, some play like I, you know, just my one year with, with United. You know, I go back to the year my my year with the Tigers when I did ten games. I, I had homicide, like I had Corey homicide win. You know, and he was he was he was good for us that year. You know we had a we had a we had a okay team like we wasn't great but he was on that team and we had like a lot of we had a lot of bigs during that year I had you know Darrell Colletto and Tommy Greer and Vinny Lewis and Lucas Walker that year so we had a you know we had a we had a okay we had a okay team but then my the year I, the year I coached the United I had you know uh, Mark Worthington uh, Dave Barlow uh who else daniel kickett you know uh may and then we had the, our import was steve dennis and the other import was jordan mccray who went on you know, he went on to win a championship with the um with the cleveland cavaliers you know what i mean so it's, it's, a, it's a hard those those courses like that are hard like not only that it's only because i i haven't i've only i've only been a head coach you know on, on, on the NBL level twice. And, it, you know, both seasons was not even really full season. Where, you know, it's the, the team I picked because the team I put together. So it's hard to, it's hard to, it, 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 yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to answer that. One. You know, Tommy, Tommy Greer was on that team. And we had a nice little, we had a nice little roster, man. They just couldn't get it done.
0: No, very, very well answered, D-Mac. Look, I really appreciate your time. It's been awesome to chat. And I wish you and Melbourne United, all the very best for the rest of this season. Thank you very much for your time, D-Mac.
4: No problem, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you.
2: There it is! It's all over!
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for tuning into A5Q. Don't forget to spread the word, subscribe, leave a rating. Until next time, old sport.